Hey everybody, it's Sunday, March 16th, 2014. Hope you're having a great day. And the inspiration for this episode came from one I recently did on tropicalmba.com over at episode 231, where we had a roundtable about kind of the narrative fallacy. So I basically took that idea and I'm going to apply this uh, here to talk about e-commerce conversions. And so I have two former guests, uh, Johnny FD and Will Evans, and also a new one, uh, Anton Crayley, who I met here in Vietnam uh, just a few months ago. So Hope you guys enjoy and let me know in the comments if you've got any questions or feedback about this format. And one more thing, I'll be going to Singapore on April 4th to April 9th. So if there's any listeners there, uh, make sure to shoot me an email at terry at buildmyonlinestore.com or just go to the Facebook page. Uh, I'll probably create something there, maybe easier for us to coordinate. So hope to see you guys there. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Don't deliver a product, deliver an experience. You're listening to the Build My Online Store podcast and I'm your host, Terry Lin. We're here to talk about running an online store and building a strong e-commerce brand to take your online store to the next level. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com. Let's get on with the show. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. You got Terry Lynn here, and I got three friends with me. Two of them have been on the podcast, so I'll just go around the table. Uh, let's start with you first, man. All right. Oh, Anton Crowley. I've uh, been in e-commerce for about eight years now. Live in Saigon, met Terry out here, and... Decided to do a podcast on conversions. Awesome. What's up, guys? This is Johnny, um, johnnyfd.com. Met Terry out in Chiang Mai a few months ago, and he's the one that inspired me to have my own podcast, so glad to be here. What's up? My name is Will from Chiefs. Episode 78, I remember, because I looked it up before, <laughs> before I came here. <laughs> um, yeah, but chiefsformen.com. What was my episode? <laughs> Oh, God. I, I can look it up. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but. that was a good one. I enjoyed it. I think it was 72. Is that 72? Yeah. 72. I like it. Yeah. I was disappointed I didn't make the, the top five most listened to. <laughs> well, give us like a couple years, like 20 okay. years. Yeah. We'll yeah. see how it happens. Uh, everybody click that refresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all right. So everyone, today we're here to talk about e-commerce conversions. So uh, a lot of these guys, you know, big successful e-commerce guys, we're talking about, you know, how do they optimize revenues for their stores? What are they doing that's working uh, maybe for the past year and what's working for 2014? So let's just start off real quick then. So how long have each of you guys been in e-commerce uh, so far? So Anton's been in it for by far the longest. You've been in it for, what, eight years now? Yeah, almost eight years. I started in 2006, right after I graduated from college and uh, been doing it ever since. And were you doing dropshipping the whole time? Or? No, no, no. I actually didn't even know what dropshipping was when I first started. And I, I'm one of the guys that were the four-hour work week, got inspired to start an e-commerce business. And I found the website Alibaba.com and basically started doing my market research, seeing what sold well on eBay at the time, tracking completed listings. Then I sourced suppliers in China and I went straight for importing. Um, I eventually transitioned to dropshipping a few years later, but in the beginning it was all important. Yeah, so that's interesting because a lot of people start from dropshipping, but they go backwards in the source. So why did you take this route? Well, I'm, I was in business for a while, so my site started to rank for different niche keywords, and then companies actually started to find me that were looking up, you know, their products for what they sold, seeing what sites sell them. And these companies that were doing the research were the dropship suppliers. They were brands and manufacturers that were looking for companies to sell their products. So these companies actually found me and they said, you know, we offer similar products. Here's your wholesale price list. If you sell them, we have them in stock, you know, wherever it is in the United States and we'll ship to your customers. So the margins obviously weren't as high as the products I was importing, but I also didn't have to do any work besides, you know, formatting the products, getting them on my site Mm -hmm. and then sending my existing traffic to them. So I tested it out and everything went well. And uh, basically within a couple of years, I had completely stopped importing, totally transitioned to drop shipping and kept going from there and expanding more and more niches. 
Uh, the reason that, you know, even though the margins are smaller, but I prefer it now is because instead of, you know, having a hundred SKUs, now I have over 30,000 on different stores. So if I imported all that, I'd be putting up, I don't know how many tens of millions a year. And instead I'm putting up products on my websites, getting traffic and making a smaller percentage, but the ability to scale it is just, uh, it's much greater. Very cool. So let's go back to the beginning then. So one of the things I get a lot from my audience is that when they're trying to build a store, like the first ramp up takes forever. So how long did it take you guys each to get your first sale? Let's start with Will first. Um, first sale, I think we were pre-selling before mm-hmm. I even had product and inventory. Really? And so, how long was how was that like? How long did you pre-sell before you actually got the product? Then? Uh, probably about a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. but it took me about probably let's say because we. We kind of do the reverse of drop shipping. We make our own products, mm. put them in warehouses, stuff like that. And uh, you know, it probably took me like six months to start working on the product, and then about five months in, we started pre-selling. Okay, yeah. Cool. And Johnny, uh, so I'm kind of the opposite of Anton, where I started with drop shipping, and then now I'm actually looking into importing and manufacturing my own products. But I actually learned from Anton. Uh, if you listen to my episode, which was I don't know, I guess 72, uh, I think it was back in May last year. Uh, I learned how, how to dropship from, from Anton's method and I started the store. It took me exactly two months to make my, my first sale. Um, and basically from that point on, it, it's been consistent, but it took me two months to set it up, to add all the products, to rewrite the descriptions, you know, get the advertising going. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that's it. All right. So we got five months for Will, about two months for Anton. How about I mean, two months for Johnny, yeah. and how about you? Uh, I was like the same as well as far as research goes. Mm-hmm. I spent months and months and months just researching everything because I was planning on importing, putting up a lot of money, and I actually also started pre-selling. So when I put up my website, I actually did get a sale the first night, mm-hmm. but in no way was it like an overnight thing. It was after months of market research, getting all my traffic ready, and then when I launched, I got a sale the first day, but it wasn't just throw it up and make money. It was do the research, and then the sales came after. Yeah, so for everyone listening out there, you know, don't expect to... It's not, it's not a quick process. So. Yeah, I would say, yeah, for <laughs> yeah. e-commerce, you know, it's, but what I've noticed, and I don't know if this is true for you guys, but once you start getting those sales, it just ramps up. And I've heard this from a lot of people where you might not get a sale at all for months while you're setting it up, but the, the day you get your first sale, usually you get two sales. And then from that point on, it's consistent. And that, that was my Yeah, well, usually something changes. Like with you, you added the phone number to your site. Someone called and placed an order. Then the next day, someone called and placed an order. So that was what changed kind of your your conversions right there. You weren't doing that well. Added the phone number and then things changed. So Yeah, that was one of those little things where I know in your course you mentioned you have to have a phone number and uh, to kind of build trust so people know they can call them if they need to. But because I was based in Chiang Mai and the time zone different was so different from the US, I just didn't want to pick up the phone. So I had a phone number in the contact us page, but it wasn't, you know, I was kind of trying to hide it almost where I didn't really want people to call. And when you looked at my site and you're like, dude, you just put it, you know, put it everywhere, you know, and just have people call. And I said, okay, let me just do what he says. He knows what he's talking about. And that, I think it was that same day or the very next day, I got two sales. Yeah. So when you're starting out, Maybe for Will and Johnny, how did you approach the convergence side? Because when you get your first sale and you're like, like six months later, how do you scale that up? Like, what was your journey? I like wasn't even thinking about convergence when I first started. <laughs> I, was, like, I was thinking about God knows what. I don't even want to remember. Probably like, you know, formatting the site or something like that or playing around with the header. Yeah. But now as I've, you know, grown, you know, convergence is definitely something that is way more on the priority list. When would you say you start looking into it? Like six months later, a year later? Or? Probably like into like a year, about the time I started getting, moving full time mm-hmm. into running the business. 
and quit my job and realize, all right, we're gonna have to get serious about not only conversions, but a lot of other things. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of about the time I really started paying attention to conversion rates um, across the board and a lot of things, not only just e-commerce, like as far as the, you know, people landing on the site and converting, going into the shopping cart, but also, you know, how many people are signing up for newsletters or, or intake as far as people calling and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm going to move this to Anton. So a lot of people, when they start out, you got to do a ton of stuff, starting a story and do all this shit. And like, how do you tell your students, like, when did they start looking at conversions or how do you prioritize? Right away. Things? I say right away, but I was just like, well, it was like a year or two. And were you making money before you started looking into it? Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was the same thing with me. I was doing well for a year or two. I think it was closer to two years. And then I like, I read an article that you can actually track where sales came from. And to me, that was like, whoa, <laughs> what? Yeah. And I already had this huge business, but yeah. like I said, I read like, you know, 20 pages in the four hour work week about e-commerce and then just went on myself like, okay, I'm going to do this. So once I found out, you could start actually tracking, you know, all of that my business completely changed. So it was a while after I started, but now I tell everyone from day one, that first sale, you want to know where that came from and it'll save you tons of money and a lot of time. So yeah, I was lucky that, you know, I learned from these guys where, you know, right from, from the first sale, I was like, I want everyone that comes to my website, I want them to buy something. And if they don't buy something, I'm, I'm almost mad. I'm like, why did they buy? Am I doing something wrong? Mm. Am I missing something? Is the checkout not working? So what I did was from the very first day that I, was, I started making sales, I would go through that exact um, that exact product page and ask myself if I was why did this customer purchase or uh, why didn't they purchase? And one thing that helped a lot was looking at the abandoned shopping carts because to me, if someone's gonna go through the process of you know of adding something to the cart and going through halfway of the checkout, why are they leaving it before they put the credit card information in? And to me, there's no reason why they should. You know, if, if they're going to go through that, they, that means they want it and something scared them off. So I would go through that entire process. I would put in my own credit card, you know, up to a point, you know, before it charges and cancel it. But I want to make sure everything's smooth. And a lot of times it's little tiny things. Like I realized like my header, you know, looked funny. So maybe that um, in, in the shopping cart versus on the store. So maybe that kind of uh, lost some trust or the phone number wasn't there or they forget what the shipping coup- free shipping coupon was or the uh, free shipping coupon uh, wasn't working you know, or little tiny things like that. I would ask myself as a customer, if I'm going through this process, why in the world wouldn't I, I buy? And from that first day, I've always wanted 100% conversion. And I know the industry average is probably closer to you know, 1%. And so I know it's, you know, it's not actually possible to have 100% conversion, but in my mind, that's what I always strive for and I always optimize for. Yeah, I remember you said that to me like a couple months ago. I remember that's a pretty good mindset to have. Like yeah. your product pages should have a hundred percent conversion rate, even though it's literally impossible to have that. Right. But you shouldn't be the reason yeah. your customer's not buying from <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you should make, you should really hit like home runs on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for today I only had, I just uh, looked at my, at my dashboard for Shopify earlier and I only had 57 visitors, which isn't a lot for entire, you know, for entire site. But I made, I think it was $3,800 in sales off of 57 visitors. You know, so to me, I'm like, okay, that's good. You know, I, I want everyone that comes to buy something. And if you're not going to buy something, just don't come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we had a chat with Will the other day about funnels, right? Because you were kind of obsessing about this. So mm-hmm. when you look at, like, say, Johnny's 57 visitors, he made 3,000 today. Like, where do you look at your own funnel to optimize first when you're looking at everything? Yeah. So one of the things, you know, I think these guys might sell higher transaction goods. Well, my average transaction size is like $30. So we're getting tons of customers a day. 
So I really try to maximize. And before we get into that, your average size is 30. What are your guys at about? Over a thousand. Yeah. You're like what, Johnny? Average sale price? Uh, between 300 and $1,000. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, it's, it, it, I think it depends on the transaction size. Um, for the, well, you know, take a step back. I think with my business, I really try to focus on like the after the sale process and getting them back and improving the lifetime value of the customer. And I think a lot of businesses don't really do a good job of kind of optimizing the after the sale process. Yeah. So that that's a lot of, we spend a lot of time on that. Um, Cause it's, it's, I don't have like a statistic that I can throw out, but it's so much easier to sell to a customer that you've already acquired than to acquire a new one. 100%, especially yeah. in a product like yours where there's no reason for them not to buy more of a right. product. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, in some niches, like let's say you're selling something, you know, like a big piece of furniture or something, it's not like they're gonna buy another couch from you yeah. anytime right. soon, uh, but maybe you can sell some other stuff. But if I had a, a product um, like face wash or shaving cream, mm-hmm. yeah, I would sell the, you know, I would sell it to them every month. Yeah, all right, and so Johnny, how do you approach your funnel when you're optimizing everything? Uh, so it, it was, it was a long process. I mean, it was months of, you know, really just thinking from a, a customer's point of view and, you know, going in and say, you know, first step is, can they even find my site? Can they even find my, my product page? So what I'll do is install Retopia, which is a VPN and it makes it, you know, I can basically say, okay, if I'm from Austin, Texas, and I'm Googling this product, what, where will I show up? And if I'm not showing up right away, you know, on you know, either in the Google ads or somewhere on the front page, they're not gonna find me anyway. So like, it doesn't even matter what your conversion is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll make sure first they can find me. Second, right when they land, I want, you know, as a customer, would I buy from these guys? Do I do I trust these guys? Uh, does the price look like I'm getting a good deal? Do I have an immediate call to action? You know, uh, is there a reason why I should buy right now versus buy it, you know, save it for next week to buy? So little things like having you know these expiring coupon codes or limited time offers, like a free bonus gift or free shipping, that encourages people to buy right away. And this is all stuff I learned from Anton and, and I actually implemented it. I, I know a lot of people will do a course and then hear this stuff and they'll just be like, oh, okay, you know, that, that makes sense and not do it. But actually you know, implementing these things makes all the difference. Um, I just pulled up my Shopify app and 73 visitors today, $3,836 in sales. And what I do is anyone that doesn't buy, I, I ask why. So immediately, um, the banned shopping carts are actually a good thing because I can I have their email address, I have their zip code, I, I can see what they did. And a lot of, most of the time, it's something like they got to the, uh, the checkout, but they forgot to put in the free shipping coupon. So all I had to do is email them and say, hey, I noticed you didn't put in this free shipping coupon, which is still like to buy. You can save this amount of money. Uh, or if they didn't even get that far, I can figure out why they didn't buy. So are you emailing these guys? Are you calling them? Or how are you getting this feedback? Uh, now it's all, all set up. Uh, Shopify has an automatic um, abandoned cart email system. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I would, I would call email them manually. I mean, it was, you know, I think Dan and Ian from uh, Chopka MBA always say, you know, make a cold call. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I was doing that. I was like, you know what? I know this might be weird to some customers. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's vital for me to find out why they're not buying. And even more vital to find out why they did buy. So I would I would email every single customer that did buy personally and ask them about the experience, you know. And that you know, number one, that gave me referrals. Uh, they recommend their friends, or they would rebuy something else. 
but also more importantly, they would tell me what they liked about my site, you know, whether how they were feeling towards it. There's some people that openly said, yeah, I wasn't really sure, you know, you know, because I don't really trust buying stuff online. And this still happens in 2014. People are still wary of buying stuff online. So when I found out from them that they were, you know, skeptical of your, you know, an authorized deal or not, I really made sure on the website to, to make it, you know, to show them right in their face, hey, look, we're an authorized dealer, you know, we're legit, here's a phone number, here's all of our information. Yeah, awesome. And how about you, Anton? How did you get, you know, look at conversions? You've been in this business a lot longer than all of us. Yeah, uh, basically the same thing, like the way Johnny's doing it now. The way I get buyers, it's very late in the buying cycle. So all my traffic that's coming in, it's through long tail keywords, usually including SKU numbers, you know, and it's people that are just looking to, to buy. So I know they want the product. I don't really have to sell them the product. I have to sell them the opportunity to buy from my store instead of one of my comp competitors. And obviously with dropshipping, you have a lot of competition. It's not like I'm the only store selling these items. So the main thing I do is try to just instill trust with my site. Um, the phone number is huge for that. And then also having a, like a really solid address. I have two different addresses that I use for two different businesses, but I'm um, both based in Manhattan. I have one on Madison Avenue, one on Park Avenue. So, you know, they, they are my addresses are UPS stores, but it looks like I have, you know, suites at these big office buildings. So that definitely helps. Um, and obviously just even customer service information on my websites, I have pages only for customer service that, you know, huge articles written about how great it is. So things like that really help. I found that customers I call in when I ask them, you know, like, what, why did you buy from us? Cause I do the same as Johnny, especially when I first got started, survey my customers and find out why they chose me over everyone else. And most of the time it's because they say, you know, because of your customer service, because I called and someone picked up the phone. So that's huge. Um, he mentioned the expiring coupon codes, the kind of stress urgency. Again, the things I sell, I get people late in the buying cycle. So I know they're gonna buy somewhere and they're probably gonna buy soon. So some people might not like the way I do this, but twice a week I have a different coupon that will expire. So every Wednesday night at midnight, every Sunday night at midnight. So when I'm getting customers, I know 95% of my traffic is a first time visitor. Um, just because of the nature of the items I sell, it's not like a product people will buy over and over. So they land on my site, they see, oh, maybe I have three days, maybe I have one day, and then this coupon's gonna expire. Let me just take advantage of this company, I could trust them, I see their address, I see their phone number, and that's how I convert most of my traffic. But it's not a long type funnel, it's people that wanna buy, and I just try to get them to choose me right away when I'm on my site, first visit. And so the two weeks is just like a little prodding thing to get them to actually finish everything the it's it's every it's twice a week it expires so that's only a few days at the most when they'll come to my site oh so say i come on monday it'll expire Thursday. it'll expire yeah wednesday but you'll see on the top i use a uh, hello bar app so you'll see that you know like limited time coupon either free shipping or maybe five percent off whatever it is it's different for every site but you know enter this coupon code expires wednesday then the date at midnight so it's just something to think mm, do i really want to buy this do i want to take advantage okay i'll buy it now and when i started doing that sales went up in a big way almost 50 percent on most of my sites so that's huge and i highly recommend everyone does that is this an app or like a plugin it's an app yeah oh i use the, the coupon codes i use shopify now so they have the you know the coupon engine built in but i use the hello bar app to to promote it oh this is the one that comes up on the top it stays like, on the top like no matter where you pixels, are that's right, it. right. Oh, okay yeah. interesting all right very cool and so let's go through the mistakes you guys have made kind of starting out so many <laughs> <laughs> you want to go first no, no, I'll, 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 let's go first all right let's, we'll go first <laughs> yeah um i think some of the mistakes i've made uh and building a brand is cheapening the products and just kind of doing these mass discounts. It's yeah, really talking, like we're talking like 20% plus or yeah, like, stuff like that. You know, there's all sorts of copywriting tricks out there that you can do, like first name, the email, you know, say 50% off for 48 hours only, or you know, some like just kind of ridiculous thing to get them to opt in that has an extremely high conversion rate, you know, because sometimes conversion rate really doesn't tell 
the story in the long run. In the short run, it's great, you know. It, it's like you get these massive, you know, spikes email open rates, yeah. massive spikes in sales. But then you're kind of training the customer to only shop with you when you offer a discount or something like that. So if you're listening and you have a product that that is, you know, you expect customers to come back and shop with, I would really think about, you know, how you're going to approach discounts and stuff like that. Yes. How much do you guys discount across the board usually? It's not across the board. It's different for every site depending on what my margins are. At the most, 10%. Mm-hmm. Usually either free shipping or 5%. But free shipping, I basically, like I don't have any sites that I charge for shipping anyway. But to yeah. make customers think it's, you know, only for a few days, I'll use a free shipping coupon code. Yeah. And you? Yeah. So for me, I what I do is I match uh, whatever the competitor's prices are. So I would I would actually rather have them have, have higher prices Uh I don't, I don't want to be the discount guy. I don't want to be the low margin, you know, high volume guy. I want to sell for a quality product for as much as I possibly can, um, you know, without trying to undercut anyone else. So that's what I do. I basically Google it, what all my products like I was a customer and I would see what everyone else is selling for and I'll just match the price. Mm-hmm. And I think it's ridiculous that, you know, uh, new sites will pop up and try to undercut everyone because that'll work for a week until everyone else sees it. Then they, you know, they lower price and then you lower the yeah. price again. Yeah. And eventually nobody has any margins for anything. But what's good is I've seen that happen over and over in a lot of my niches and the sites just disappear. So like some of my <laughs> sites that have been up for, you know, almost a decade now are still around. And I've seen so many competitors that pop up and I'm like nervous because they're basically giving stuff away, but they don't last. They'll get terrible reviews and they won't be able to stay in business. Yeah, because they can't, you know, offer good customer service that, you yeah. know, by not and not having any, not any margins. margins. Exactly. Yeah. So now that I'm getting into manufacturing my own product and having my own brand, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to allow other you know, competitors basically to, to sell my stuff and I'll drop ship for them. So instead of just being the drop shipper, the drop you, can, shipper you can offer it. Exactly. I can be, I can become the supplier. And, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my map policy, my minimum advertised price policy extremely high. So if a product is, let's say $600 retail, my minimum advertised price is going to be $499.99 plus free shipping. That's it. Like and if anyone wants to sell for less, you, you're out of the you're out of the deal. You can't sell it. Yeah, I think Tim Ferriss talked about this in his book. Remember in Four Hour Workweek, how people were selling T-shirts and then they start cutting each other, and everyone just dies. Yeah, yeah. There's no ceiling. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's the worst way. Uh, if you live by price, you die by price. Yeah. I think Dan Kennedy said that or something like that. It's the worst way to grow a business. I had some yeah. guy email t- uh, me today. He wants me to offer him like phone support for his business. He said him and his. Uh, I probably shouldn't talk about it. Right. He said, this, this guy emailed me. Well, uh, he bought into a business for eight hundred thousand for one third of a business. It's a dropship business, and I don't know what they looked at when they were you know reviewing everything. But he said it's not making any money, and he just sees opportunities. The revenue is so high, and it's like no, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You could have a business that's eight figures a year, but if the margins are negative, like what are you yeah. doing? You know, yeah, so yeah. yeah, a lot of people look at the big number and not you know what they should be looking at, which is how much is left over. So, yeah. yeah. So when you guys start learning conversions, when did you guys figure out the right thing to focus on? Because there's so many things you can optimize. Yeah. The, what was your path like starting out? For me, it was when I figured out, you know, tracking and how tracking works and that I could track each traffic source. And then what I realized is that my overall conversion rate really doesn't matter because there's so many different ways that I send traffic to my stores and a lot of it's paid. So my my overall conversion rates for my stores, I don't even care what the number is. I care what Google PLAs are. I care what um, Amazon product ads are. I care if I'm on different blogs, what each of those blogs conversion rate is. So I think too many people just look at their main conversion rate. Meanwhile, it could be so skewed um, like mine was, you know, so I knew what it was um, based just on Back then I was using Yahoo stores. So when you log into their dashboard, you have your uh, visitors and then your sales. So I was just, you know, 
simple division. Okay, my conversion rate for my store is whatever. And then once I started using Google Analytics for e-commerce and tracking e what each blog was doing for me, I realized that most of my traffic to my site was from blogs that didn't convert at all. Like literally no sales that I was spending, you know, hundreds of dollars across all different blogs that just weren't working. So I cut that all off. My traffic went down, but my sales went up. So my conversion rate went up. I put more money into what was working. And um, so that that's my main thing. That, and that was my biggest mistake, not tracking each traffic source. And this was back in like six years ago? Is it I would say, yeah, because I started 2000, this is probably in like 2008, 2009 when I started really focusing on each traffic source and how they convert. Mm. Would you, is this the same methodology you use today too, or has it yeah, changed yeah. over the years? Yeah, everything's pretty much the same. I mean, the fundamentals of the business don't change. The I used to get away with a lot less phone support. Mm. I find now it, it's like necessary. You need a phone number, I think in any price point. The lowest I really go is around 500 bucks, you know, like my, my sale price and even at that price, I used to not offer phone numbers in some of my sites to kind of save on call center costs, but it doesn't work anymore. People people want that phone number. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, just think about it yourself. When you're going to buy something that's a thousand bucks online, it's, right. it's kind of scary to yeah. just send it to the nethers of the internet and then not know what shows up. Yeah. And most of the calls really are just people saying, I just wanted to speak to someone yeah. before I place my order. Here's my credit card number. So it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. But. Well, what's really funny about that is I remember a few years ago, people, and Tim Ferriss wrote about this saying that if you have these, um, these automated call, you know, things, it makes it sound like you have a big company. Like, yeah, like you have a press one for right. a yeah. secretary. And now people hate that. People yeah. love it when they call and someone just answers the phone like, hi, you know, <laughs> thanks yeah. for calling, you know. Like, hello, like, is this an answering machine or? Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. people love it. I appreciate it. that. Yeah. I mean, it's almost the exact opposite where now, you know, if someone just like a normal, regular Joe just picks up the phone, they love that a hundred times more than if it sounds like you're a big company and you have a directory. Yeah. So things change and you have to, you have to stay on top of that. And, you know, as someone who buys a lot of things online myself, I really understand the customer psychology. Like, what would I personally want? Like, why would I buy shoes from Zappos.com versus Amazon.com? And I have to buy my shoes online because I wear double extra wide, double E shoes. And when I go to Amazon, it might be a little bit cheaper, but I can't sort by size and in stock and color. You know, it's confusing. It it, just, it brings me everywhere. Versus in Zappos, I can see you know really simply what um, you know what's actually in stock or not. And Zappos has you know great photos. They have like a little thirty second video with everything, so I can see it live. You know, because sometimes in photos you can't really tell what it looks like or what the color really looks like. But if someone actually has just you know the Zappos style videos are really short and. It just makes me more comfortable to buy. So at the end of the day, as long as it's not that much more expensive than buying somewhere else, I'd rather buy from Zappos than like Overstock or you know or some eBay or some some kind of discounter. Yeah. All right. So let's go back into the topic a little bit. When you learning when you were learning conversion. So Anton was saying how you started with traffic sources. Did you follow the same school because you learned all from him, or did you do something new on your own? You know, I so I started. With, with with Anton's method because that, that's basically you know how I learned e-commerce. I actually before I met Anton, I didn't even know what dropshipping was, <laughs> and it's a bit embarrassing. But I went home and I went to Wikipedia, and I typed in <laughs> dropshipping, and that's you know and that's really my my first experience to it. Um, but ever since then, I've been kind of doing it more on my own, um, trying to trying to figure it out you know what my style is yeah. and also kind of you know the things for my niche. Like so with. With Anton method, he likes to have you know lots of products, you know, like thousands of products. But with my stores, I actually like to specialize in in sites that only have a couple hundred products, but really give you know a lot of information, a lot of value uh, to my customers to make it you know easy for them to buy. So 
I really, really concentrate on having every single product page optimized 100% for 100% conversion. Uh, and one thing I would say the number one best thing that, that I've learned from is there was an infographic uh, that was you know, basically just the, the, the sales process and for all e-commerce stores out there. And I, actually, I don't remember who made this infographic, but I remember looking through it and you know, just you know, looking at the percentages of who, who abandoned shopping carts, why, how much videos matter, how much you know, certain things matter. And I sat through and I actually analyzed this, you know, this little infographic for over an hour. I'm just like, you know, what here is important, what here isn't. And that actually became the main video now. So if you go to optimize like a boss.com, the very first video is me talking about this infographic and breaking it down for, I think it's like a 45 minute video. It's a, it's a really long video for just a, a short infographic, but the customer psychology behind it matters so much. You know, I mean, if you, if you try to put numbers to why Zappos converts better than the Amazon overstock, yeah, you have some facts and figures, but if you ask, you know, the actual customers, why do you buy from Zappos versus Overstock Amazon? A lot of that is not really quantifiable through just numbers alone. It's emotion, it's trust, it's you know, it's the sincerity of buying from a store that specializes in what you want, and you know that you're going to get a good product, and you know that somebody actually cares. Yeah, I think there's like the brand equity of Zappos too, where you know they're you know shoe guys and. Amazon just kind of you can buy anything. You buy yeah. ham, fucking shoes. Yeah, and that's water. one thing actually. Like regarding what I've done to increase conversions, when I first started, all my stores were mall shopping. Uh, they were like shopping mall type stores. Mm -hmm. You can come in, break it down, go to you know a million different things on one store. And I started to identify which niches on my first stores were doing the best, and then I broke them off into their own, and that resulted in a lot higher conversion rates. So now I only have niche specific stores. Gotcha. Very cool. All right. So, Will, how did you learn conversions? Yeah. So, I'm kind of in the process of pivoting, I guess. I mean, kind of what Anton was, was talking yeah. about earlier. Because I think whenever you hear like Anton, Johnny, or yeah. Dan and Ian, everyone has their own school of converting, but then like, what do I integrate? Like, yeah. What do I pick and choose? And I think it gets confusing. Well, I mean, too. he went into it a lot better than I can, like on the conversion rate, yeah. like how that can be all over the place, why that data point can be crazy based on traffic. And then like what Johnny said, you know, I only need like 70 visitors to make $3,000, you yeah. know? something like that. So what I'm more focusing on is how many new customers we're mm -hmm. getting. Um, it's kind of a statistic a lot of people don't talk about, um, but that's something in the future. So I'm trying to look past conversion rate, look past revenue. Um, I so, think, so you're looking at like real organic growth. Like how many customers we're acquiring every month and how many customers are coming back and stuff like that. Um, there's really not a lot of great tools out in the marketplace to do that. Um, this is a, I was talking to Ben uh, Hubert from Natural Snacks about this. Um, we've ranted about it a lot, but um, yeah, so that that's kind of where I'm kind of moving towards. In the why future. why did you decide to focus on this? Because um, I you know I think conversion you know because I've noticed like our conversion rate has dropped before, but like you know we're doing better than we've ever done. So it's like well you know what does that even mean you know? And then I've noticed that revenue is kind of a fruitless thing to focus on. Mm -hmm. And that I think if you, as you get your funnel really, really optimized, then I think you just, at that point, it's just like, well, how many customers are we getting and how is, how are we increasing the transaction size of those customers? Um, so yeah, that's like, kind of what yeah. I'm focusing on. If I was in Will's market and it, the, what's the website? Chiefs. Chiefs for Men. Chiefs for Men yeah. mm. It's, I would concentrate more on the lifetime value of each customer because once they start using the product, I use Will's shaving cream and it's great. 
and I'll just keep using it because now I'm a customer. And it doesn't matter how much he made selling me that first tub of shaving cream, as long as I continue using that for the next 20, 30 years, the lifetime value of me as a customer is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Not only because I'm going to buy it myself, but everyone that comes over, they're going to see it and they're going to get that brand recognition. People are going to ask me, hey, what's, you know, what's the best shaving cream? I'll recommend it. And that is hard to track. It's not like you know saying, okay, do I have a 1.5% conversion rate or do I have a 4% conversion rate? That's how much is my company growing every year because I have satisfied customers that keep buying and keep recommending my product. Yeah. So as both of you guys as dropshippers, how do you approach it? Because I know you, your products are a lot higher priced. Maybe they're one-time purchase, maybe twice in a lifetime. Like how do you guys you know, yeah, look at that's exactly the, the thing. I'd say almost all my customers, if not all, are once-in-a-lifetime customers. I have some niches that I sell to that are commercial. Um, so people will buy you know, for different clients' jobs, so they'll keep coming back to me. Those customers, I just try to give the best support and, you know, the most one-on-one attention. But my average customer is someone that's going to see my store once, buy once, and never hear from again. So I really don't have any experience with tracking the lifetime value of the mm-hmm. customer because it's usually that first sale and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, that, that was the case for the first, you know, the first eight months of my business. And this last month, I've really been concentrating more on, you know, trying to get the repeat customers and trying to, you know, basically get word of mouth instead of having people... You know, having to spend more ad dollars to acquire a new customer, I, I really want referrals. And so I actually get a lot of referrals now, which is which is nice. Um, and the way I do that is just by really providing the best customer service. And little easy ways to do that is sending people personal emails, you know, thanking them, you know, really personally thanking them for their for their purchases and, and following up. Uh, there's an app called Aftership, which Basically, all it, all it does is once you fulfill a product and you put in the FedEx or UPS tracking number, it updates the customer every step of the way. So it'll email them and say, hey, you know, hey, Terry, just let you know your product is on the truck for delivery. <laughs> hey, Terry, just let you know UPS has left the package at your front door. Yeah, that's why I want to know because we're always tracking stuff when we get the tracking number. You're just like, boom, boom, mm-hmm. where is it, where is it, where is it? And if- you reduce the friction like that. It's so, it's like, it relieves my mind when thinking about yeah. this stuff too. Customers really appreciate things like that. Yeah. They yeah. love, you know, I actually, at first I was, when I first heard about it after I'm like, oh, you know, what's the point of it? Because I already sent them an email with the tracking number and it's probably going to come within two days of that anyways. It's not, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, why would someone care if it's on the truck or why would someone care if it's delivered? They already have it. But yeah. the fact is, after I installed that, I've had email, you know, customers reply to that email all the time because it comes from my personal email address, and they're like, "Hey, you know, thanks so much. That's such good customer service." Uh, or like, "Oh, I'm at work right now, but I'm, you know, so glad that now I know it's on my front door. I can't wait to to open it." Yeah. Um, and what I do now is I make it really, really personal. And if they personally write me back, and then instead of sending them another automated email, I actually send them a, a real email. I look at their yeah. order and I'll say, "Hey, I noticed you ordered this." you know, product in this, you know, in this style. Uh, I really hope you like it. And let me know if you have any questions, you know, feel free to tell your friends about us. Yeah. So let's go into this a little deeper. So what have been some little things you've noticed that maybe seemed inconsequential, but have been a big impact? Yeah. So kind of what Johnny was talking about earlier with Aftership, um, there's two notification emails in Shopify. Everyone here is on Shopify yeah. for the most part. Yeah, BigCommerce. Yeah. <laughs> but BigCommerce has, has the same, I just don't know the terms they use, yeah. but it's the order confirmation email yeah. and the shipping confirmation email. The open rates on those are like 99%. You know, yeah. Everyone is going to open the email 
about the order they just bought or the order they just they, they just bought is now shipping. So I tell people to hit a, or like a grand slam on those emails. Yeah. So we just really give all sorts of value. Um, we do like PS, like if you want to buy a, ship, a gift card for your friend. We do another one on one of the emails where it's like PS, um, you know, if you know a store in your local neighborhood that might be interested in carrying Chiefs, uh, you know, send us an email. So then we get the email from the customer and then we forward it to this wholesaler. And now we're like already engaging with the wholesale account. So I always tell people to really, really think about their touch points. Yeah. I call those like a touch point. A touch point could be the shipping confirmation email, order confirmation email. It could just be like your voicemail system. And go through all those, have a goal, and then just, you know, really, really kind of split test them and optimize them. Yeah, I think so, our friend John McIntyre calls those transactional emails rather than hmm. like content marketing emails. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I do the same thing and like I realized this only maybe three years ago, what a good yeah. opportunity it is to market yeah. other things to the customers once yeah. they've already purchased. Mm -hmm. So like I said, now I do all the niche specific stores because I don't want to kind of distract the customers if they want a desk, go to the desk site, buy the desk. And then what I'll do in my um, transaction emails, the confirmation, I'll put a coupon code, you know, thank you for choosing our stores. I have a network of, you know, different stores and then I'll include links to the, to the related ones. So not to every store I own, but if they bought a desk, okay, here's a chair, you know, here's my computer chair site. You get 10% off because you're a customer, you know, thank you for putting your trust in us. Here's a link. And then there's also lots of niches that I won't sell in either because the price points are too low or because I just see them being too customer service intensive. So I build Amazon affiliate stores for them and then I'll include those links in the email as well. And it leads mm -hmm. to just so much more money out of each customer without any more work. It's an automated email and it's just extra sales. So and they're opening it too. So. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know they're going to be looking at it. So you have to take advantage of that. Yeah. I, I talked to a store owner, I think Diamond Candles, they do is they send you a coupon, but it's if you give a, you give a friend $10 off, mm -hmm. you'll get another $10 off yourself too. Yep. And it kind of builds a viral That's thing. That's CureBit, I think. I think so, yeah. I, I yeah. can't remember. It was like a year ago. Too. I actually turned that one off. Yeah. yeah. Did you have bad experience with that? Yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a yeah. lot of, uh, you, you could probably optimize it, um, but like I kind of moved away from the whole like, you know, get $10 off if you refer a friend and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can get a little spammy. Yeah. 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 But I'm sure there's a right way to do it. And that's a really cool app. I recommend if, if that's kind of something you're interested in. I mean, I feel like if your product is good enough, people, you know, for people to recommend, they should they should recommend it without getting anything in return for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nice to remind them, hey, we would really appreciate if you recommended your friends. Uh, but they don't. They shouldn't have to have an incentive to to do it. They should. The incentive should be they had a great experience with you. You know, you offered good customer service, and that should be enough. Yeah, I think Dan talked about this in a recent episode. How if you're offering big discounts, it's a bigger sign that your value proposition isn't strong enough for people right. to just share it too. Right. Yeah. Right. So how have you guys tweaked that, like your value propositions over the years with various stores you guys have had? I mean, my price is pretty consistent with my competition. I sometimes charge more, but you know, I can't get crazy with it because yeah. my traffic comes from very um, you know, direct results, like a skew number. So it's easy for people to see my competitors. Of course, if those prices aren't profitable, I'll charge more and you know, offer that better customer service and try to make my site look much more credible. Um, that's kind of how I try to stand out. Another thing that I've done to increase conversions are trust seals. So I use TrustGuard and it was something I held off for, for years because I thought, you know, this isn't going to help. Like if I see it on a website, I kind of think it looks spammy, you know, but I know I'm not my customer. Um, so I put it on and that really helped. So just things like that to really make customers trust me and choose my store. But I don't try just to, uh, to, you know, to raise my prices much higher. I really can't go lower because there's no money to be made. So. Yeah. I remember you had a blog post, Johnny, about how I think Anton like, called you out for being dumb for not having the trust deal. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was your experience yeah. with that? <laughs> 
so eight months ago, Anton said, you should install the chassis. And I said, okay. And then two months ago, Anton said, you still haven't installed it. And I was like, I know. I don't want to pay $29 a month for it. You know, so this is the GeoTrust SSL seal, or is no? This one is it's a company called Trust Guard. This is Trust Dash Guard. Yeah, trust that. And so the reason why I didn't want to install it is first off, cheap. I don't want to pay thirty bucks a month for this stupid looking seal, Uh, and it it really does look spammy and Mm -hmm. crappy. Um, And I so I what I did was I said, okay, I'm just gonna make my own version. So I think I photoshopped myself a trust seal, (laughs) and I was like, all right, there you go, it's free. I'm gonna use this. And, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe helped a little bit, maybe did it. And then finally, I think it was just a few weeks ago, a month ago, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to hunker down and pay 30 bucks a month for this, this thing. And I think the very next day I had two big orders, uh, both over a thousand dollar orders that normally would, they would either call or email, kind of just make sure we were a real store. Uh, but they didn't, they just bought. And I was like, huh. I mean, it could be a coincidence. The problem with TrustGuard is there's no real way for you to to know if it worked because it's like a emotional emotional thing, you know. It's and I I can't even ask the customer, hey, did you buy this because you saw the trust seal? <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't even notice. Yeah, because they, they don't know. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like this subconscious thing. But all I know is it's either the TrustGuard seal or the fact that I finally you know hunkered down and said, okay, let me just do this. Let me let me do everything that Antal actually said to do because I. I think when I was doing that, I ended up making other changes too because I finally said, okay, you know what? Let me just do this correctly. Uh, the very next day, I made two sales and consistently, it's been about a month after after that now, I've been getting less phone calls uh, and more of these big you know, ticket sales. Um, I don't remember what the actual the blog post was, but if you go to johnnyfd.com and search trust seal, I wrote like, I wrote everything about it. I, you know, and I put up some screenshots of how my conversions changed from before and afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who who knows? But are they actually testing anything on your site or is it just like something you paid 30 bucks for and you just get a logo? What do you mean? Are they testing? The test. Oh yeah. It's, it's a joke. That's why like, I don't trust anything like that. I haven't for years, but they make you like verify your address. I think like you sent, I, I signed up so long. I don't remember. I think I had to send like, um, you know, something that said I own this mailbox at a UPS <laughs> yeah. store and yeah. They verify and, your phone number. Yeah. They verify, they call you. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, I don't know. It's more of a, it's there for customers. Yeah. And customers there's, trust it. there's some of these things like the better business bureau yeah. things. Like, uh, I mean, any of you guys yeah, in there? I, no, I can't I've thought about them. it. It's a scam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The like, is a scam. Yeah. Yeah. If you get one negative thing, they want you to pay like so much money just to be part of it and have them take it off. And I mean, that's the hard thing about all these things on the internet, like Yelp even. Like it's designed, you know, with good intentions in the beginning and then it becomes this huge behemoth where they're making so much money from it that they, you know, basically use it as a way to have leverage on business owners. Like yeah. I've heard so many negative things about Yelp where – as let's say you own a restaurant and you don't want to pay Yelp the monthly fee, which which is a lot. I, I don't remember what it is. It might even be like $1,000 a month now to be like a premium member on Yelp. If you don't pay that, what they'll do is they'll push up all of the negative reviews on your, on your wow. restaurant. It's bully you, huh? Yeah. And wow, if you do crazy. pay the $1,000 a month, they'll push those away. And then what actually they'll do is they'll actually filter them out now. So if you go to Yelp and look at any, any store, any restaurant – and the very bottom, in very, very small text, they'll have a, something that says, uh, show filtered results. And that, I mean, you, when you click that, then you'll see all the reviews, not just the ones that they want to show you. So it's like in gray, light color, you probably can yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. I never knew that. I have no idea. 
<laughs> right, very close. Let's where were we? Let's check it. We got on a different. We're crushing out. it in life. Right? <laughs> we're here in Saigon, Vietnam, at Anton's baller apartment. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a picture here. We'll post it <laughs> on the episode. So, all right. So let's kind of wrap this a little bit. So, if someone's looking to optimize their funnel, say they've been in business, you know, half a year, they have some sales, you know, and they want to say double their conversion. Where would you suggest they even start? Or is it like a mindset thing they need to get right first, or kind of like a really tactical thing, something very technical? I would say technical, the easiest things you could do, um, make sure that your website is targeting your customers. So think about who your customer is, who's coming to your website that's going to buy and optimize your site just design wise to appeal to them. That makes a huge difference. Something I didn't really think about in the beginning, but definitely plays a factor. So just, you know, find out who the customer is, make sure your site looks like what they want to see. Um, an example of that, my sister, she just started a dropship site right before Christmas. And um, it's like appealing to like hipsters, right? So <laughs> she's really good with design. I have no um, experience with that. So she put up this site that looks awesome. Not something I'm interested in, but it appeals to her market and it's converting like twice as well as any of my sites do amongst all traffic sources. So um, yeah, build a site that appeals to your market. If you can't do it yourself, pay someone to do it for you. And um, on top of that, you know, to increase conversions, the easiest way to do it is have that phone number and make sure you pick up the phone because I ask people, you know, why do you buy from me? And a lot of times they say, you're the first company to answer the phone. And it's like, what? Like, okay, I'll take it. But, you know, so have a phone number and answer it. Um, other than that, what else do I do? Have an address on the site. People want to know that, you know, you're real. Even if it's just a, I wouldn't use a PO box. I would go to a mailbox, et cetera store. So you can get what's called a suite. just looks more professional. I'd recommend having that. It could be a high profile address, you know, some either in a big city, you could do it all online. I would say do that. And um, yeah, that's the easiest way to get started. So, would, yeah. so when you take phone calls, you're just walking around streets of Vietnam? No, no, no. I, I haven't taken phone calls myself in a long time. <laughs> I, have a, I have a call center I use now in the States oh. that, yeah, they answer them for me. But I used to, you know, when I was first starting, I, for years I was on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have a gal in the US that picks up the phone for me as well. I mean, because I don't, I don't want to be, you know, pick up calls at two in the morning yeah. out here. Um, but I would say one of the best things you can do is show that your company has a face that you guys have real employees behind it, that you're not just this anonymous online company. You know, when you're in your about us page, have a video of you or somebody from your team just saying, Hey, this is John from, from chiefs. You know, this is Will from chiefs. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not, I have nothing to do with chiefs. Like, hey, yeah. you know, I'm this Dirty is, you know, spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is Will from chiefs. And you know, we're, you know, this is our story. You know, on a contact us page, have another video saying, you know, hey, you know, this is John, you know, your, email, you will go, your email will go to me. I'll reply yeah. to it. Yeah. I'll, that, right? I'll take care of you. You know, people just want to see that face. Um, there's a, you know, a lot of little things like that Anton was mentioning. But the, here's the thing is you as a e-commerce store owner, you probably know, at least you've heard, you know, what you should be doing. Just actually do it. Don't be like me and be an idiot and not you know, install this trust seal for eight months when I knew it works. How much do you think you missed out on not installing this? <laughs> I don't even think about it. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. You think you maybe get another watch right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you watches. know, like, we all, I mean, everything with everything in life, not just with e-commerce conversions, but everything in life, we know what we actually should do, but we get lazy or we, you know, yeah, I think we just, people are lazy, you know, you don't want to do something, even though you know it works. You have to get hit over the head eight times before you do it. Just hunker down and do it. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my recommendation, I think, touched on it earlier, is start with your product pages and really do hit a home run there. Put FAQs on them. Um, put multiple buy now buttons on them. Just kind of 
go through everything that as a consumer might think when he lands on this page, have a phone number, you know, maybe test it on your friends. You can go a mechanical Turk and get people to like quickly scrutinize the page or something like that. You know what? I, a lot of people don't know what mechanical Turk is mm-hmm. and it's awesome. It's, it's an Amazon service where people will, you know, you're going to hire people to do these little tiny jobs. And I read an article where they said, use mechanical Kurt to Turk, Turk, Turk yeah. to spit test. So basically what you do is you have people go to your, your site and click whatever favorite banner ad they like or whatever favorite page they like. And with, you know, Amazon, with mechanical Kurt, it's a little, I can't say it, with mechanical <laughs> Turk, it's a little bit different because these people are actually getting paid to do this. But you can also do this just even on your Facebook page and say, hey, which image do you like better? And whichever one they like more, you know, this is the one I should use for my product page. Yeah, I think some some other things that have helped on the product pages is when a huge photo that they can zoom in on, um, crystal clear guarantee, um, crystal clear shipping policy, stuff like that. And then I think I would also build out on some of the other pages. It depends on your site, but I guarantee you that about page gets hit, hit a lot. That yeah. FAQ gets hit a lot. Mm-hmm. So. What we do is we just kind of link them back into the funnel to get them back to a product yeah. page. And yeah. it's very important, like you just yeah. said, I forgot to even mention that, the shipping policy, the return policy. Almost everyone that buys, at least on my sites, hit those two pages first. So like you said, as clear as possible, leave yeah. no questions to be asked so they yeah. know exactly what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And I think Will had a good point how like every shipping page, about his page, in the end, he links it back to his right. product right. so yeah. they don't just get lost exactly. and go yeah. somewhere yeah. else. Very too. smart. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, I don't like to give the customers way too much information. I've seen some sites where they give all the terms for the shipping and people get, you know, people get confused. I mean, there's too much information. They're like, oh, I don't know. This is, this sounds like a lot of work now. <laughs> so what I do is I, I know I have, you know, very fair shipping policies and very fair return policies. So I just write that I said, you know, we, we guarantee good service, you know, and I stand by that. Uh, but I don't give them all the terms. I said, if you want to know more, then click here. And that way, you know, all you have to do is say, we have a low price guarantee and then have a link to it. You don't have to write all the terms and conditions of it. You can, you can put, you know, fast shipping You don't have, and have a link to the shipping page. You don't have to actually list all of the product page. On the product page, yeah. all you want is enough information, just enough information for the, someone to buy. Well, you're talking about linking to your pages, right? Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about like when they're on, Right. Like only on have page. one call to action right. on the product page. Yeah. yeah. Right. Some people have, that's another thing. Some people have like the sidebar still enabled mm. with like the newsletter opt-in. It's like you need to turn that sidebar off if you're using WordPress or something like that. Mm. You know, the only call to action on your product pages should be buy now. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So one thing I didn't touch yeah. on is the looking at competitor sites. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys have certain competitors you know in the market. How, when you're at their site, what goes on in your mind? Like do you like try to take what's working for them and like try it on your own site or what goes through in your mind? I used to try that. Um, what I do now, like as far as my policies go, I, I kind of, you know, if someone's offering free shipping or if my top three competitors are offering free shipping, then I have to, you know, it's not like a yeah. question. So of course I look to my comp- competition, but when I first started, I would try to just like emulate everything they do. And I've moved away from that because now I kind of know what works for my stores based on what I've been doing. So not as much, but when I first started, I actually got a cease and desist letter because I, <laughs> co- I went a step too far on copying a competitor's site. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> I look to them for their policies and what suppliers they sell for so I can sell for them myself. Because yeah. there's always a thing where you want to 
learn from what's working from someone, right? It's kind of like what you yeah. just don't reinvent the wheel, but then right. where do you cross the line? Exactly. Copying someone too You take their design, that's crossing the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good in the beginning to, to take a look at your competition to see what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. But at the end of the day, what I really like is looking at it from a customer's point of view and ask myself, what more what more value can I give my customer? Can I, can I write a little, a better description um, that makes it, easier for for the customer to understand what they're getting uh can i you know add like a little video uh to make it you know so people can see what the product looks like can i add more photos and actually show the the product in all different options uh versus just having one stock standard photo uh little things like this you know really co- help you convert better awesome right cool. all right man so let's wrap things up um actually i'm no, sorry i forgot wills how do you look at your competition i'm sorry oh uh <laughs> I don't really get too focused on it. Yeah, because your niche is kind of its own kind of like yeah. you're competing against like Gillette. Like there's so many right? competitors out there. I mean, yeah, you've got people yeah. Gillette owned by Procter and Gamble, one of the biggest companies in the world, and then like there's people you know making soap in their kitchen and selling them on Etsy. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really get too focused on it. I think if you're stuck and you're just starting out, I think I would recommend not necessarily just like copying exactly what the competitor is doing, but copy their shipping policies and copy everything. Because that's been tested in the market, and you know what a lot of people do is they try to like innovate too much without proving if their business is profitable. So if you're on the fence and you're stuck, just do exactly as what your competitor is doing, and then like iterate and innovate over time. Yeah, it's not copy, get inspired. That's the exact same thing as my story. So yeah. when I started, I basically copied Anton's method. I was like, okay, I, I don't know anything about dropshipping. Tell me exactly what to do. And I was like, okay, let me watch all the videos on AntonMethod.com. Let me do exactly what he says to do and made my first couple sales. I was like, okay, now this works. Dropshipping works. You know, he showed me how to set up the Shopify store, how to, you know, how to write the descriptions, all the, I even used his, uh, Anton's, uh, was it the shipping return policy page? I just, I just copy and pasted his template, you know? <laughs> and, but over time I just, you know, I was like, okay, now I understand what e-commerce is. I understand what having, you know, a, a store is what can I do to tweak it? So what I did is I rewrote the shipping handling and the shipping and returns policy pages to, you know, really fit my products more. Um, you know, I rewrote all the descriptions, I rewrote all the stuff and now it's more personal, you know, and it's just over time it, it changed. And actually what's funny is, you know, I almost feel like it's in these last eight months, I've learned more about online business than I would have if I did a four year MBA at a, at a top yeah, school of course yeah you know and i got paid to do it which is awesome um and, and not taking 100k in debt or yeah, yeah. Like that, spending yeah. Two I, years. I never would have even considered this but i was i think one of the biggest ways to learn is helping others and i was showing i was at pun space which is a co-working space in in chiang mai and i was showing someone who took an Amazon's course how to optimize his store for more sales and i was just like oh yeah you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and i think like one or two days later he came back and he was like, dude, I just made two sales. Thank you. And Anton overheard it and he said, what did you tell him to do? <laughs> and Anton suggested, can you do a sc- like a, like a screenshot, not a screenshot, um, screencast, like a screencast of everything that you changed on this guy's site from make more sales and let, record it for the members. So it ended up being, at first it was just going to be like a one video or something, but it ended up being like, I don't know, 15 videos or something. So now it's optimized like a boss. All right, well, with that, you know, we're on for an hour, so where can we find each of you online? Uh, Chiefsformen.com. 
Yeah. Or will at cheesefermin.com is probably the best way to reach me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at johnnyfd.com. That's my personal blog. And if you kind of go back eight months, you can see where I started out uh, and where I am today. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just like any of you guys listening out. I, I knew nothing about all this stuff. Uh, so big thank you, Anton, for, for all, all your help. And Terry, thank you for all the inspiration from Build My Online Store because this is what I listened to as I was building my store. Those first two months, I needed that inspiration to be like, okay, I got to plug away and keep – uh, keep, you know, keep working on this because I know it'll work. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I think I had no idea until I met you in Chiang Mai too. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, but we'll, we don't have to tell listeners that. Yeah, right. just listen to whatever the episode was. 72. Yeah, seventy-two. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, and where can we find you, Anton? Yeah, I have a blog. I don't post much on it, but there's some uh, some e-commerce stuff and some stuff about my traveling over the past year. It's createtravelplay.com. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And listener, thanks again for tuning in. You guys can find each of them. Will, Chiefsorman.com, Johnny, JohnnyFD.com, and Anton. Oh, God. CreateTravelPlay.com. There we go. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like a cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.